Hello, my good friends. This is Dan Jones with another quiet talk to share with you today. Are you poor? I hope not. Nobody wants to be poor. My mother grew up poor during the Depression, and it colored her outlook on life as long as she lived. Our government has supposedly been waging a war on poverty for almost 60 years, and it looks like poverty is winning. The book of Proverbs points out the normal human reaction to the poor. Chapter 14, verse 20 says, The poor is disliked even by his neighbor, but the rich has many friends. The old blues standard puts it well. Nobody knows you when you're down and out. But God has a different perspective. James puts it well in chapter 2. Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? God has chosen the poor. This doesn't mean that only the poor can be saved. It means that, spiritually speaking, there is a special advantage to being poor in material things. As I like to do so often, let's look first at the opposite of what I want to convey so you can see the main point. One day, a very sincere young man ran up to Jesus and, kneeling before him, said, "'Good Master,' What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? It sure looks like this fellow had his priorities right. He didn't ask Jesus how to get people to like him or how to get power to do miracles. He got right right down to the most important issue any human being will ever face, eternal life and how to have it. Jesus said to him, you know the Ten Commandments, don't you? And he replied, I've kept them since I was a boy. The next thing Mark writes is so beautiful. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Now, we know that Jesus loves everybody, but apparently there was something special about this earnest young man who asked Jesus about how to have eternal life. Jesus saw a tremendous potential in him, but he didn't make it easy for this young man following Jesus is never easy, and Jesus was always bluntly honest about that. So he said to them, to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. At this statement, the young man's countenance fell. He was completely disheartened. Why? because he was very rich. After he left, Jesus said, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. This was a good person, as we define that expression. He was very moral and was keenly aware of the need to look to God for eternal life. His problem was that his money had wrapped itself around his heart. He couldn't see himself parting with it. He couldn't imagine life without material riches. He was an example of what Proverbs was talking about in chapter 18, verse 11. 
A rich man's wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his imagination. Most wealthy people see their money as their security, but money is not security. Proverbs also says, For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. Those who are very rich spend most of their time struggling to hold on to their money, but poor people have no such problems. Now, many who are poor spend most of their waking hours lusting after material things that they don't have. Just watch the people line up at the convenience store when there's a big lottery jackpot. So why does it say that God has chosen the poor? Let's go on. He has chosen the poor to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him. To those who love him. A poor person who loves God above the things of this world is rich indeed. He doesn't have the problem of that rich young man who came to Jesus and then went away sorrowful. He doesn't have those chains of wealth around his heart that keep him from God. This verse from James was no doubt his enlargement on one of the Beatitudes. Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Being poor frees one to focus on the riches that Jesus has promised those who renounce all to follow him. There are no chains of wealth around his heart, so he can give himself fully to that reward in heaven, the kingdom of God. It's certainly possible for a rich man to focus on that eternal kingdom. Jesus didn't say it was impossible for the rich to enter the kingdom of God, but it's very hard. If a rich person sees his riches as a stewardship from God, then he will use what he has to advance the work of Christ. Probably the greatest example of this outside of the Bible that I can think of is a man named Count Nicholas Zinzendorf, a wealthy German nobleman in the 18th century who used his great wealth to pioneer the modern missionary movement. I would urge you to look him up. It seems that Count Nicholas heeded the words of Paul, who said in 1 Timothy 6, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. It's a fact of life for us humans that it's very difficult to live with a divided heart. James said that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Remember what Jesus said to the Laodicean church in Revelation? I wish you were cold or hot. They were trying to be godly and trying to love the things of this world at the same time. Double-minded. I imagine most of the people listening to me today are neither rich 
nor poor. But whatever your status in this present world, you can make a choice today to be single-minded for God. No matter how much money you have, transfer ownership to the Lord. As a wise person once said to a young pastor, hold all things loosely. Remember the admonition of Scripture that you brought nothing into this world and you will certainly take nothing with you when you leave. But you can have treasure in heaven if you focus now on eternal things. Don't seek your own pleasure and comfort, but use what you have for the work of God. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Focus your heart daily on those things that are eternal, on that coming kingdom of God. Moses was brought up in riches and luxury in Egypt, but he saw the vanity of it all and turned away to follow the only one worthy to follow. Hebrews says that by faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures in Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Where is your focus? Are you looking at material wealth? Are you always checking your 401k? Or have you turned away from these fleeting riches to lay hold on that which is eternal, on the kingdom Jesus has promised to those who give up worldly pursuits to follow him? O oh God, you have offered us such wealth, such eternal riches in Christ. And so, Father, I pray that you would help me and help my listeners, Lord God, to turn away from focusing on the wealth and the things, the material, temporal things of this world, and to focus our lives, our vision, our future on that which is eternal. And I pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. My dear friend, I ask you to pray for us at the Bread of Life Anglican Church, where we're seeking to plant a new congregation in the Schenectady, New York area. It's not easy. It can be discouraging, so please pray for us. We meet Sundays at 10 o'clock at 1809 Union Street in Schenectady. That's the American Legion Hall. And if you're in that area, if you don't have a church home, we would love to meet you, 10 o'clock on Sundays, 1809 Union Street. As always, you can reach me by email at father.danjones at outlook.com. God bless you.